0: What? Oh, hey, you know what? Um, I'm just going to invite Pastor Kelly. We, uh, we forgot about something, and it's really important, so here we go. Um, uh, sorry, I meant to, meant to do this earlier, but um, many of you might remember we prayed for a little baby down in Columbia, Myron and Myrna's uh, granddaughter, Daniela. And, um, you know, the doctors were saying she wasn't even supposed to make it to birth. She wasn't supposed to survive, had lots of health issues, things like that. And this this church came together and just declared things over her, um, um, broke the plans of the enemy and just prayed life over her. And I think tomorrow is her her one-year birthday tomorrow. So praise the Lord. So we just, uh, Lord, we just praise you and thank you for that, for life and for the plans that you have over that little girl, um, over the plans of the enemy. So we just praise you and thank you. Lord, just release destiny over her. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, man. Do it again, God. Wow, that's a power of a praying church right there. And, uh, and, and people, I think, all over the world praying. So, oh, I love it. I love. It. I remember when we first got the, the I don't know it was a phone call or email or something, and and the you know the doctors were thinking that they may have to um, remove the pregnancy, and and oh man, and and you know my heart and my wife's heart, and we're just like no God, no God, and everyone started declaring life, and uh, got our grandparents back there that are just uh, you guys look like your smiles are going all the way around your head. That's that's cool. That's kind of a miracle. <laughs> Hey, um, we're in a we're in a sermon series called uh, The Big Reveal, and the subtitle is What Hard Times Reveal. And we found out last week. If this is your first time with us, we found out that hard times actually reveal some things. And do you know there's a promise of the Lord? That uh, you will experience hard times, and I know that's not a whole lot of uh, goosebumps. And you don't know, like. I mean, we want to have something where we're gonna, you know, all the hairs in our body stand up, and we're like, "That was great, Pastor Jonathan." But we just got to have some some reality every once in a while, right? And uh, hard times are going to come. John 16 says. Uh, in fact, the, the verse says this: "These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace." That's Jesus talking. He says, "In me you'll have peace." But then he says this: He says, "In the world you will have tribulation." But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And I love that. It's kind of Jesus perfected the sandwich principle where you you give them some good, put the negative right in there, and then slap on some good right at the end. (laughs) I love it. I love it. But isn't that that just an interesting thing? And and so when you're going through some hard times, you can know that, oh, in this world, there will be tribulation. Um, And so what I wanted to focus in for a few weeks is what happens when we're in those hard times? Because we're all going to face it. If you haven't yet, you will. And when those hard times come, last week we, we, we found out the hard times reveal our faith. That it's like this, uh, it's this it's big reveal that you get to see what level of faith I have in this moment. Have any of you ever had an opportunity to walk through a hard time and realize how much faith you have? Me too, I shared some of my story last week, and um, I'd encourage you to get the, not just because I, I did a really good job, but just be, because it was a good message, you should get it on the, um, on the website, spiritoflifecarney.com. Our whole thought in this series is this, when hard times hit and what's inside me is revealed, I have an opportunity to respond in powerful ways that will draw me closer to Jesus instead of away. Man, maybe some of you have the story where a hard time's hit and, and you went kind of in a tailspin and, and, and went away from the Lord. You don't have to raise your hand. But we, and if it's not you, you know somebody that has. And so the goal would be when hard times hit, can we respond in such a way that I draw near instead of draw away? Um, uh, it's easy to have big faith or incredible character in here. But what about out there? Right? I can pray big prayers in here. I can make big commitments in here, right? My faith is, is like through the roof in here, and then Monday morning happens. Man, there's been times even as a senior pastor, and I've been doing it for a long, what, how many, like at least, what, What seven or eight months. <laughs> and I, man, I found that, that Monday, Monday mornings are the worst, Right? You know, the, the, the depression hits, the, the anxiety hits, uh, well, Monday mornings and Saturday nights, <laughs> you know, and my goodness, how I choose to show up and respond in those moments define me, and I start to find out that, wait, the Word of God is true, and, um, and so we're going to walk through this together, I'm not, hopefully you don't feel like I'm talking at you, hopefully you feel like we're having a conversation, realizing that we're all in the same boat together. Um, I continue to, to uh, beat a dead horse with what Donald Miller says. He says, what I believe isn't what I say I believe. What I believe is what I do. Week one, um, the main thought for, for last week was this. Faith is more of a muscle you exercise than something you receive in one sitting and then you're good to go. Doubt and unbelief is our default mode. So we must cultivate, practice, and grow in our faith. And this is, this is kind of, as we're heading into the message today, and I'm about ready to tell you what it is this, is, this is what I think. I believe that this issue of faith exposed is a theme that runs through all of these things that we find out are going to be exposed. I, that's why we started out with faith exposed, is because you're going to start to find, in fact, today, even as we talk about what I'm going to talk about, you're going to say, well, wait a minute, that's also, that's also a faith issue, and I'm going to say you're right, but it's also, and today, our, our theme for the message is called character exposed, you're going to find that character gets exposed in hard times. Anyone ever found that? If if there's a if there's a parent here that's ever yelled at your kids, you found that, right? You're like, no, not me, Pastor Jonathan. Of course, I've never yelled at my kids. And so you find that when hard times happen, things get exposed. Our faith gets exposed, but our character gets exposed as well. And uh, I'm going to start. There's a story here. Um, Peter is one of the one of the twelve, in fact he's one of the three. When I say the three, there were there were twelve disciples, but there were three that were really, really close to him. The three of, of Jesus' best friends. And Peter. Last week, we talked about Peter walking on water and all this. Peter's just an excellent example of like you know what not to do sometimes, right? You're like you look at Peter's life and just do the opposite sometimes. And uh, tongue in cheek, Peter was amazing one of the one of the one of the greatest apostles. Um, But you see Peter's life, and and we can learn a lot of things. Like like watch this in John chapter thirteen, verse thirty six. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, Where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. Jesus answered him, Will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. Um, We find out in other Gospels that that they were in the upper room and they were having a meal and, and Jesus was confronting them on this. And in fact, Matthew's account, uh, Peter said this. He says, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And I love Peter's passion. I love his heart there. And you know what? I think, I think it, I don't think he was lying. I think he was being honest. I, I don't think he was—he was just giving lip service, and then and then you know going away thinking uh, I'll show Jesus. I, I I think he was like, real. I think he was brutally honest in that. I don't think that he that he thought that he was actually going to deny Jesus. But it's easy to talk a big game when you're sitting around the table with Jesus and your best friends, right? It's easy to sit there and say, I will always, or I will never, or I will lay down my life, and I will whip out my sword, and I mean, right? I mean, it's, that's, that's the easy part. The, the, the hard part is when you actually leave that room and act, have to show up the way you just said you were going to show up. Maybe some of us have said some similar things. I, will, I would never deny Jesus. I would never stop tithing. <laughs> I would never cheat on my taxes. I would never steal. I would never lie. I would never commit adultery. I would never slander or gossip. I would never, we've all been there. We've all made the huge statements in here and then the pressure is on and we have to decide if we're gonna keep our commitment. If we're gonna do what we said, we're gonna do. Is it getting real in here yet? The next part of this story comes after Jesus was arrested. John John 18, verse 17, it says, Then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, You're not also one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I'm not. Now the servants and officers who had made a fire of coals stood there there, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves, and Peter stood with them and warmed himself. And you skip, skip to verse 25. Now Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. Therefore, uh, they said to him, You are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of him whose ear Peter cut off, said, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter then denied again, and immediately the rooster crowed. Matthew's account says that he began to curse and swear, saying he didn't know this man. Man, just a few verses earlier, right? He's saying, "I would lay down my life for you. I would die with you." And then and then he's cursing and swearing, saying, "I don't even know this guy that you're talking about." I don't think he was ashamed of Jesus. I think he was scared. I don't think he was ashamed. I think if you were to sit down with him one-on-one, he'd say, oh, I love him with everything I've got. I love him with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul. He, he, Peter was, Peter's a good guy, actually. He's a really good guy. But I think he was scared. I think he was afraid for his life. If he publicly admits association with Jesus, who was arrested at this point, what would happen to him? What would happen to his family? There was a reveal that was going on in his heart right here in this moment. The things in his heart were coming to the surface. And it was a reveal that wouldn't have happened sitting around the table with Jesus and his friends. It was a reveal that had to happen as hard times exposed his heart. Hard times expose what's in there. Peter found out that when he's afraid, it's hard to keep his commitments to Jesus. And we get to find out what's hard for us to do. We get to find out what gets exposed when hard times hit. Some of you are already thinking about it. Oh yeah, that's how I show up. That's how I show up when I'm afraid. That's how I show up when I'm angry. That's how I show up when, right, When, when life seems out of control. But there's good news, we get to respond and move past this. I re- remember, um, I- I've been a-, a licensed minister of the gospel for 12 and a half years. Longer than some, shorter than most. <laughs> and uh, I remember early on, um, probably within the first one or two years of being a pastor, um, being, I was on staff at a, at a church. At that point, I was on staff at my dad's church. And um, I remember, I, um, you know, it was kind of my first ministry gig and, and I was, I, I don't know, I wasn't paid very much. It was probably like 20000 a year or something like that. You know, I was single, so, I mean, it worked. And, uh, and, and you know, so that was kind of kind of the way it goes. And I, um, I was hit in some hard financial times. Not a whole lot of, I mean, and I, and I worked, you know, 50, 60 hours a week or more doing this. And, you know, there's not a whole lot of room for part-time jobs and all this. And hard, anybody ever hit some hard financial times? Yeah. And uh, and you know what I found was exposed in my heart when I hit some hard financial times when I was you know young in ministry. I had a card in my wallet that says I was a pastor. You know what what was exposed? That I had trouble tithing. In fact, I would um, I would just miss it a couple times. Like I'd miss the uh, you know the um, the tithing you know maybe like maybe like one Sunday, you know, that I'd make it up the next, or I'd miss it like one month and try to make it up the next. But what I started to find out was, as these hard times would hit, um, and in my heart that I was having a hard time trusting the Lord with my money, that one month led to another month, and I ended up having like most, uh, six months to a year behind on my tithes. <laughs> it's, like, it's almost like behind on my taxes, or behind on my, you know, whatever, payments. and But and maybe this doesn't minister to everybody, but for me, this was a big... And I was a minister of the gospel. Some of you guys say, are like thinking, shame on you, Jonathan. I go... I don't receive that in Jesus' name. <laughs> but it was a reveal. I remember having to, like, humble myself and call the, the, um, the secretary of Open Bible, who's a lawyer, and being like, hey, uh, I don't know how else to say this other than uh, I... Because my tithes, my tithes actually go to Open Bible National. And uh, I'm like, man, I just, uh, I'm behind on my tithes. And there was grace. There was love. And got myself on a little bit of a plan. To do, because it wasn't for them. It was for God. It was like, it, I, I didn't steal from the, from the organization. I was stealing from, from, from God, from Jesus. And oh, my goodness. What a reveal. Um, I, good news: I've been tithing ever since. All right? if, you, if you guys were wondering, does he still? Yeah, no, no I know, I've been tithing. The main thought today is this: Hard times not only reveal the present quality of my character, they also produce character if I choose to persevere. Hard times not only reveal the present state or the present quality of my character, but it also produces character if I choose to persevere. And this is is huge. This is big. You get an opportunity. Hard times hit and there's an opportunity. And I can choose to persevere and I could choose to develop character or I could retreat. Our main text today is Romans chapter 5 verses 3 through 5. And it says this, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. In other words, hard times. We glory in tribulations knowing that the tribulation produces perseverance. And perseverance, character. And character, hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And so I want to talk today for the next few minutes about the journey of character that, produces the, that it produces in the, in the life of a believer. And so number one, as, as we're on this journey to see character produced, um, number one is perseverance produced, and we we see this um, we see this in Romans five that this first thing that says hard times hit tribulations hit and and out of that hard time the first thing that's developed or produced is perseverance. Um, Ephesians chapter six verse eighteen. Uh, Paul talking he says praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 and 2 says this therefore we also since we are surrounded by uh, so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and the sin that, that is set before us looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God James chapter 1 one of the classic verses on perseverance says this starting in verse 2 my brethren count it all joy just pause there for a second hmm, joy right when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. That word patience it also means tribulations or, or perseverance. It, 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 I'm not tribulations, um, perseverance or, or endurance. That's what patience means here in this verse. But let patience or endurance or perseverance have its perfect work that you may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. I love that verse. It's, it's consider it, one, one, one translation says, consider it pure joy when you face trials. Pure joy, the purest form of joy when I'm facing hard times. It's like, how does that work? And then, if I want to be perfect and complete, lacking nothing, lacking nothing, I learn how to Persevere. If you choose, hard times can become the environment where perseverance is produced. If you choose, hard times can become the environment or the atmosphere in which perseverance is produced. I don't, I don't for any minute or any second believe that God designs or assigns evil. But when hard times come, he says, I can use that. When hard times come, he looks at it and says, "And says we can work with this. In fact, no matter how you cut it, no matter where your theology lands, the truth is this, is that for whatever reason, in God's wisdom, he allows hard times to happen. It stinks. It really does. It's like... Uh, in fact, I had a I had a girl come into my office one time um, when I was when I was in Des Moines, Iowa. And I remember her saying, "Pastor Jonathan, uh, I, like I believe the scripture that says that God will never leave me nor forsake me. Like, a, I, like that's what the Bible says." And I said, "Yeah, that's true." And she says, "Well, so was He just watching when that bad stuff happened to me?" I'm like, oh, I didn't learn that in Bible college. (laughs) What am I supposed to say? Give her another verse? That verse didn't work evidently for her. Just being honest. And so we start to find that in these moments where hard times happen, that, that we get to wrestle with truth. In a few weeks, we're going to actually talk about theology exposed. I got to be careful I don't go down that road too, too far. But we get to wrestle in this tension. Am I going to believe what the Bible says, or am I going to make up my own thing because my experience says otherwise? man this happens all the time this is how this is how like uh, whole denominations split off and become another movement this is how you know uh, you know religions and people and pagan this and that and all of these things get started it's because the, well my experience i think i'm going to rewrite the bible so man what gets revealed in hard times is a big deal This girl started finding out that what gets revealed in hard times is that it's God's fault. I mean, all of us have been there. He's big. He spoke the worlds into existence. Lions and tigers and bears and and stars and moons and... My, my my little daughter, Kaylee, she's like, I don't like moons. <laughs> you don't like moons? It's because it, moons represent nighttime, and she doesn't like the dark right now for some reason. We're praying against that. <laughs> I don't like moons. But you've got this God of the universe, 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 universe. And he's so big, and he spoke everything into existence, existence, existence. And because he's that big, well, then he must be that much in control, and if he's that much in control, then that must mean he could have stopped it. He could have saved me. He could have snapped his fingers. He could have sprinkled some pixie dust and it would have been all better, and that's the tension that we live in, and all I know is truth. All I know is that he loves you, that when you're going through the hardest time you can think of is that that's like the most special moment he has with you because the Bible says that a broken and contrite heart he has yet to deny. All I know is that as a daddy, he wants to hold you when you're crying and when you're hurting and it's special for him. I know that because I'm a daddy. And my daughter was throwing up last night. Was, oh, I mean, we don't need to go into details, but but i was holding her and snuggling her and it was like i wished i was praying i was going against the enemy with everything i got and all my biggest faith prayers were coming out and and but i'll tell you what put all that aside it was such a special moment with my daughter you, you get the the idea. What if there was like a you know, imagine like your daughter or your kid or something, and they're they're learning how to ride a bike, and and they're they're riding, and you let them go, and they they're just they're you know this is awesome, boom, and they like you know go over the handlebars and they, like scrape their knees and their side and their bloody nose and their you know grass and twig poking out of their head and all this, and. You pull them in, and, and you clean them up, and you, you let them like sit on your lap, and you're rocking them in the chair, and you, and all this stuff's going on, and I mean, and, and, and you're sitting down with them, and this is like a moment, this is a special moment that you'll never forget for the rest of your life as a parent, you know. You fast forward like 20 years down the road, and they're sitting in a, a little bit different chair. This is more of a leather recliner or a leather couch and there's a therapist (laughs) that's talking to them and somehow they end up remembering there was this one day when my daddy didn't save me when I fell and hurt myself on this bicycle. And that moment that was so special to daddy because of perspective ends up being a trauma for a little girl. Does everyone follow on me? And so we get to see what gets revealed when hard times hit. And I'll tell you this, regardless of what you believe, regardless of where your theology stands, regardless of what you've walked through in life, you may even say, like the movie The Count of Monte Cristo, but I don't believe in God. It doesn't matter because he believes in you. Because he believes in you. And he wants to draw you in and pull you in like a daddy, and I don't even know where I'm at. <sighs> Jesus. My mom was, uh, she was in her late teens, and she was about 17 years old. And uh, her stepdad was traveling as a salesman, doing different things. I think he was actually on his route, even sold things at University of Nebraska uh, at Kearney and all these different things. And uh, I don't know exactly what his job was, but he was on the road a lot. One day, um, grandma, my, my grandma, mom's mom, uh, calls um, my mom's stepdad and uh, another lady answers the phone. And... Uh, realized, long story short, that he was having an affair. And my mom's life as a 17-year-old starts to spin out of control. And um, grandma tells mom, uh, I don't want you to be here when, when your stepdad gets home. And uh, uh, like I, I want us to be able to work through some things. So she, they go, uh, she goes to stay at a friend's house, and that time turns into a couple months of staying at a friend's house, um, just a, just a, a long time, and Mom found herself seventeen years old, sitting in a rocking chair in the fetal position, just just crying, and at the end of her ropes as a teenager, not not knowing which way is up and what's going to happen, and all this stuff. And she was a Christian at the time, just barely, um, just a young just a young Christian. I think she was saved in the Rapid City Open Bible Church and uh there was a verse that she had hung on to first corinthians ten thirteen. it says no temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man but god is faithful who will not let you to, to be tempted beyond what you are able but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it and that word temptation yeah it, it applies to to sin but it also that word temptation also means trials and tribulations it means the things that we the hard times and my mom was sitting there quoting this verse and saying, but you promised. But you promised that, that, that you wouldn't put me through more than what I could handle. You promised. You said. Have you ever been real with God? And, and she was rocking there. You promised that I would never go through more than what I could handle. You said that there would be a way of escape. She's rocking herself there and she ends up going off to bed. And She wakes up the next morning and the first thing on her mind was, I'm still here, like I'm still, like I woke up, I'm still here and she felt like the Lord said, you're still here, like I'm still holding you, like you made it through another night and she realized that if she can make it through that night, she can make it through any night that the God of the universe is not putting through, putting her through more than what she could handle, it was just such an amazing moment of character revealed in the midst of hard times. Number two, first one is, is perseverance that is produced, and, and you have to understand that perseverance gets produced when you make the choice that I'm going to persevere through this. It's like perseverance just it, it's this muscle that you have to work out. Instead of retreating, you're going forward. Number two, character-produced. Romans five tells us this that perseverance actually produces character. What is character? The dictionary definition of character is the mental and moral qualities distinctive to an individual. Who I am when no one's looking. I like that definition. It's character. I I made this one up if you want to, like, you know, hashtag Jonathan or, um, you know, my most natural response at a heart level in any given situation. I like that definition of character. It's my most natural response at a heart level in any given situation. My wife and I were talking over this and she came up with a little bit different twist on, on the watch this definition. My most natural response or action if I knew there would be no consequences. Oh, you thought that was better? (gasps) We we have this, this bet going on. No, just joking. My most natural response or action if I knew there would be no consequences. You start to think of my character what's my character at a heart level i i like this christian character or godly character is really the fruit of the spirit Have you ever read galatians chapter 5 and you see the fruit of darkness and you also see the fruit of the spirit in fact it's here right here galatians chapter 5 let's read this together when i'll read it and you can follow along i say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, uh, check that one, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. That's a real encouraging list, huh? Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22. But, I love it when the Lord puts big butts in there, I, the, the grammar, but, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, and now we can, man, I love that list. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And so the questions start coming to my mind. What is the value of character? It's like, so what? Or, or, what's the purpose? Why do we need to have godly character? Or, or why does growing in character matter? And this is the question I would pose first if we were just going to go down a list. This would be my, my starter question. What are the costs? of not growing in character. Well, then this list comes back up again. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness. Should we keep going? Lewdness, idolatry. Sorcery is a bad one. Hatred, contentions. What about outbursts of wrath? Is that on your top 10? I start looking at this list of stuff and I'm like, the cost of not growing in character is my life spins out of control, that people in my life get damaged, that uh, there's a lack of peace, that there's guilt, shame, and condemnation. Like, that's no bueno, like my Hispanic friends say. I think there's some obvious costs with the fruit of the flesh. So how do I grow in character Romans chapter 5 indicates that we grow in character by choosing to persevere. In response to being overwhelmed, there's a man named Michael Hyatt. If you, he's a, kind of a leadership guru, business guru, and, and uh, he's a Christian. And, um, and so in response to being overwhelmed, he says this. He says, just do the, the next right thing. So if I'm overwhelmed in life and I just like everything, there's just so much to do. He just says, just do the next right thing. I, I think that applies to um, character as well. It applies to to, uh, growing in character. Uh, Just do the next right thing. Is that too simplified? Just do the next right thing. The Bible indicates that there's another value of character. Not just the opposite of the fruit of the flesh. But you want to know another, another value of character? It's my number three on here. Number one was perseverance produced. Number two was character produced. But watch this. Number three is hope produced. This is huge. I was looking at this, and I was a little bit dumbfounded. we're going we're to walk through this last one together. I, I was like, how does character produce hope? Anybody else wonder that? Well, good. Well, let's talk about it. Romans chapter five tells us that godly character actually produces hope. Hard times, by their very nature, steal hope. Would you agree? Hard times by their very nature steal hope. This is where the enemy has a field day. This is when he comes in and he gets his foot in the door and makes a stronghold. When we're in the midst of hard times, it, it actually steals or, or, or makes our heart sick. Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes the what? The heart sick. But when desire comes, it's a tree of life. I love that verse. But it's a picture of... When, when hard times come and when, when my hope is deferred, in other words, when I don't see hope, it actually can make the heart sick. How can there be hope if I'm focused on the fruit of the flesh or the fruit of darkness? In other words, if I'm focusing on bad character, we went through, do we need to go through the list again? Adultery, fornication, ugh. Someone say, stop talking about that stuff, Jonathan. Hatred, fits of rage. Knock it off, Jonathan. Sexual immorality, sorcery, that's a bad one right there. And you, It's a hopeless list. Would you agree? This fruit of the flesh, it's just like there's no life there. There's no hope there. And I read Romans 5 about character producing hope and I just had to pause for a minute to think how this would actually work. How does character produce hope? And I looked again at the fruit of the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And it started to make sense. It's like, now that's a list that could produce hope. That as I'm focusing on joy as I'm focusing on love as I'm as I'm focusing on persevering and, and goodness and kindness and so I mean as I as my mind is set on these things and Philippians says think on these things these things that are right and pure and, and holy right it's like as I think like that's where where hope gets produced as I'm focusing on the fruit of the spirit now you got to hear something you got to understand some of you think that I'm going to give you like a three-step formula, and then you're out. You're like, man, this made sense. Like one, two, three, good, good. It's not even like a twelve-step program. But you got to understand this. All this I just preached is impossible on your own. Let me just be real encouraging here. This whole deal of hard times and character being produced, like you can't do it on your own. Like, there's some good people in this world, would you admit? There's some, there's some good people. They do some good things. There's some people that you would say, oh, they've got some good character and things, but you want godly character sustained? Godly character sustained, you can't do it on your own. You can't do it on your own. It's, uh, it's not produced just by you doing your own thing. You just making some right choices. Godly character sustained is because of the Holy Spirit because of the Spirit of the Living God. You remember the fruit of the spirit we just talked about? It's his fruit. The fruit of the spirit, it's his fruit. And in order for me to produce the fruit of the spirit or this character that we've been talking about, I have to come into agreement with the Spirit of the Living. I have to have him living inside me. You want to just do this thing on your own, man, good luck. But the spirit of the living God needs to be inside you. Character won't be produced through perseverance without the spirit of the living God. Hope won't be produced through character character without the spirit of the living God. He is the X factor. The more you choose him in the midst of hard times, the more Romans 5 actually works and hope is produced. So you remember Peter? You remember that? You remember denies Jesus three times and all this stuff? Sometime after the resurrection, this is what happened. John 21. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and will carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke of signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, Follow me. Watch this. Not only was Peter's character revealed in those chapters we read about, but then he has this encounter with Jesus sometime after the resurrection where Jesus says, do you love me? And, Jesus, and Peter confesses his love and commitment three times. And I love that. Three times he denied. Three times he confessed his love and commitment. It was like this reconciliation. Like, like you're, you're back. Like, we're good to go. Let's, let's get back on this journey. Come and follow me. But you gotta, you gotta hear this. You remember our, our quote that we say all the time? What you, the, what you believe is in what you say you believe. What you believe is what you do. Like, this is great, Peter. You said it again. You confessed your undying love and commitment to Jesus. So what? Watch this. At the end of Peter's life, when Jesus was prophesying, Peter stretched out his hands, and he died on a cross. Actually, he died upside down for his faith, for his Lord, for his friend. And you see that not only was his character revealed, but his character was produced in hard times. How about that? That's pretty cool. There's hope. There's hope. Let's stand. Pastor Kelly.